I love what Jeremy talked about being stirred up by God. This is one of the primary ways that we are, we are children of God is that we're led by the Spirit of God and that we can sense His stirring. When He starts to stir us up, we know it's Him because it's different than anything else. You know, there's a lot of people, um, and I believe I'm supposed to look, Jay, am I supposed to look into this camera? Okay. There's a lot of people watching online today, and we just want to tell you, our church family, Legacy Church family, we love you so much. And you know, even though we haven't got to see all you in person in so long, we love you and we miss you and we're really excited about when we're all together again. It's going to be really soon. And I know Jeremy's been updating us, but we're about to get the parking lot all done. And as soon as that sanctuary is done, we're going to announce that first exciting start date and we're going to get all y'all in there and we are going to have one big party. It's going to be something for the books. We're going to be rejoicing. But um, I just want to tell you, you know, my grandma used to talk to me about this, the difference between an agitating spirit and then a divine stirring. And, you know, so many times in life when God begins to deal with you and he begins to put something in your heart, a next step, a next step to take, a next move to take. Maybe there's some of you watching online right now that God is dealing with you and stirring you up on the inside about moving. You know, God's way is never agitation, and it's never uh, confusion, and there's never darkness in it. There's always light, and there's always a divine stirring. And I've learned this over li- in life that to, to adequately follow the Holy Spirit and to walk out His plan for my life, that I need to follow that divine stirring. Not anything that agitates me, not anything that just rubs me funny or bothers me or tries to get me out of my place or get me out of the will of God, but to follow the divine stirring that's taking me into the will of God. You know, Jesus is called our good shepherd, and that means he leads us out of one place into an even brighter place and a bigger place, green open pastures where there's lots of land, lots of life, lots of um, food, lots of flourishing. So if you're in a dry place, you know, a lot of you, and I'm not, this is nothing that I planned to say this morning, so I know it's by the Spirit of God. Um, A lot of you guys, um, you may feel like you're in a dry place right now in life. But the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 68, it says, uh, God sets the solitary or somebody that's alone in a family and he brings those that are bound up into prosperity. But those who refuse to go in or those who refuse or rebel will dwell in a dry land. And God has a family for each and every one of you. And a lot of our family is in this room this morning, which is so good to see all of you. Um, A lot of our staff is here today because we're having construction done outside and our team, core team. But I just want to encourage you, God has a flourishing, wealthy place for you, a healthy place for you. And he wants you to be wide open to hear from him and to be moved by that stirring. And wherever that is, I just want to encourage you to get there because it's not a dry place, but it is a place full of life and health and a lot of abundance. So I want to encourage you to get there. Well, I just want to share with you some things that are in my heart continuing on this series that we've been in called A House undivided. Is that just a cool creative title? My husband has the best titles. Well, I shouldn't give him the glory. I'll say it's the Holy Spirit that stirs in him all the good things that he gets. The house undivided. And if you've not been with us the past, the past few weeks, I'd encourage you to go get these teachings because they are powerful. They will change your life and they will set you free. And he's been talking about offense. And as I was praying and studying, I, I, you know, you can, this is another thing about learning from the Holy Spirit and his stirring. You can have all kinds of ideas about what you're going to talk about or what you want to talk about or what you want to say, what you want to do. But until the Holy Spirit stirs you up on the inside and you start to see what he has for you to say, you don't have it yet. 
And so for me, I wait on the Lord until I get that divine stirring. And when I get that stirring, I know it's God because my heart wells up on the inside. Sometimes the the tears start coming, even in my bedroom by myself. But my heart starts to get stirred. And then I know for all you ministers out there, all you people that are called into the ministry, this is how you do it. You wait on the Lord until you're stirred on the inside. And then when that stirring comes, you know what you're supposed to speak on. So as I prayed this week, and I, the, the, I kept getting stirred with one scripture. Oftentimes it comes with a scripture. And this is the scripture that the Lord gave me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. As I prayed about offense and the things that Jeremy's been talking about, uh, some of the key phrases that he said came back to me. He said this, the word cannot work in an offended heart. Did I say that right? The word cannot work in an offended heart. Now, this is a very serious thing, if you think about it. He's been looking at Mark chapter 4, and, um, you know, it's so powerful to look and see what happens in that whole passage. Am I telling it right, Matt? Mark chapter 4? Okay. That whole passage is a God painting a picture of us about the sower sowing the word and how the word of God has the power to produce up to a hundredfold blessing in your life if it is allowed and able to work. The problem is all the things that are able to come in and steal the word from working and keeping it from producing fruit. And so as I thought about this, Um, the Lord brought to my mind the connection between offense and bitterness and the bitter root. And I began to think about this past couple weeks, we started uh, cleaning out the garden in the front of our house. And we got Justice and Jesse out there and we began the tedious work of ripping out all of the weeds out of the garden. And is it the most fun thing to do in the world? No, it's not that fun. But we got out there and we knew that it needed to be done. If we didn't do it, we're just going to have an ugly flower bed with a, a big mess and nothing beautiful to show any of our company that comes over. So we got in there and we started ripping out stuff. And I thought about this as I prayed, um, that your heart is a garden, And you are the gardener. Your heart is the most precious, valuable thing that you possess. Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. All life flows from your heart. This is the core of who you are. You know, I've talked about this a lot, and and some of you that watch Legacy TV or have been in some of our services, you know this. But the heart is talked about over 800 times in Scripture. This is how important it is to God. But your heart is your garden. And you have to think about that you are the gardener. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 12, it tells us that our souls shall be like well-watered gardens and they shall sorrow no more. Now this is the will of God for our life, that our heart and our soul would be so watered and it would be so well taken care of that it would begin, things would grow and they would produce and they would take root, good things and that we would bear fruit. And so we are the gardener of our heart. I thought about what, what does it mean to garden? Some of you guys are good at this. I am very bad in the natural. I am good in the spiritual, okay? But I'm bad at the natural. I need to start saying I'm good at taking care of my plants. My house plants are flourishing. As you know, some of my friends in this room, Lindsay, so good with plants. She comes over to my house and looks at the plants at my house, and she's like, 
Sarah, there's so much potential here. But this, this is no good. This is bad. And I know, I know it's bad. You know, for a long time, I had this, back when we lived in Texas, I had this beautiful plant, this fiddle leaf fig tree. You guys know these are so cool. They are just beautiful. They get really tall and big, and they have these big leaves that look like violins, fiddles, and they are just so beautiful. And I took care of this plant. I took care of this plant. And then the problem was that I traveled so much, I'd go out of town, and I'd forget about the plant. And I wouldn't nourish the plant. And the, nourish, the plant had no time out in the sun. And everybody forgot to water my plant while it's gone. Or somebody came, and they didn't know how to take care of my plant. So they watered it too much. See, you're the only one that can take care of your garden and the soil of your heart. You, your heart is your responsibility. Your garden is your responsibility. And this is what Proverbs chapter 4 tells us. It says... Guard your heart. Keep it with all diligence. It takes diligent work to keep it and tend to it and watch over it because out of it flow the issues of life. Why do you need to guard it and watch over it? Because there is power working against you or there is power working for you based on what's going on in the soil of your heart. So what does a good gardener do? Well, a good gardener tills the soil. And Lindsay, shout out at me. She's my plant lady. Shout out at me if I don't get this right. Tills the soil. Okay, a good gardener plants good seed. Yeah, plants some good seed. A good gardener waters that seed. Waters the garden. A good garden... Uh, well, a good gardener will make sure that their plants, say the indoor plants, have enough time out in the sun. And all these things are so spiritual. Just, just think about it. I'm, this, I'm not being too clever right now, but if you think about it, how much time do you need sitting out, sitting in the sun, in the rays, uh, with the sun of God? How much time do you need being, being in the presence of God where you are watered and you have time to just soak in his goodness. This is part of being a well-watered garden, part of flourishing, part of bearing fruit. Also, what does a good gardener do? He or she protects the garden. Now, here in the mountains, I mean, think about it. I, I go, sometimes I'm sitting out on my porch and a deer will walk up and he will go to take a bite out of my plant. And I'm like, get out of here. And as quick as he comes up, or if I see him through the window, I'm like beating on the window. I'm like, get out of it. That's my garden. Get out of here. What are you thinking? Get out. Get out of here. And I mean to tell you, I mean, it's like he sneaks up, doesn't he? Out of nowhere. He's all quiet and all pretty and thinks he's going to get away with something. And he sneaks up. And then all this, get out of here. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, he just tries to take a, and he's going for it, right? And it's my responsibility to go bang on that window and say, get out, get out of here, okay? And I'm like, get out of this garden. I did not plan to say any of this, so um, go on, get. And so, uh, so I want that guy, you got it. And I, but it's my responsibility. That's my garden, okay? Now don't come to my house and look at my plants because they, we need to pray. I need to pray. I need to watch over them better. I need to protect my garden. But a good, a good gardener protects it from the insects and watches over it and goes and tends to it and nurtures it nurtures that, watches over it, guards over it. And when something's coming in and trying to sneak in, it sees it and it recognizes it and it resists it. And so this is a huge part of the gardener's job, pulling out and uprooting things that do not belong. Is it tedious work? Is it, is it smart work? Do you not have to be on your guard? Do you not? It's diligent work. They, it, the Proverbs tells us, above all else, guard your heart. Be diligent to watch over the state of your heart. Well, in this scripture, it's not any coincidence that Paul uses the phrase, the root of bitterness, to describe how these things spring up and cause trouble. 
Aren't weeds, if you just let them go and you just let it, let it go, how it just overtakes the whole garden? It comes in and it just, it just takes over everything. And there's no room for anything beautiful to grow. And that is the trouble with offense and the trouble with the root of bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is so, this is such a cool, this is so simple to me. Bitterness is just a lack of sweetness. It's a lack of sweetness. If you look up the definitions, it'd be like sharpness of taste. Another definition is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly or resentment. And um, the problem, let's just think about this for a second. Lord, help us see this because these things can change your life forever. This can take you from being completely lifeless and unproductive to living a life that bears fruit. And this is why this is so powerful. The Lord spoke to me yesterday. I was praying about this. And he said, the problem with having a bitter root is not the inability to be ministered to. Because God, in his great mercy, his great goodness, his great love for you, he'll do everything he can, no matter what state you are in, to lavish you with his love. He'll do everything he can. He'll send everybody your way. No matter if your heart heart is right or wrong, he will send people to you to help you. He will send people to you to encourage you. He will send people to strengthen you, to give you the word, to minister to you. He'll even let the gifts be in operation for you. But the problem with the bitter root is not the inability to be ministered to, but the inability to produce fruit. And that is scary. That's the scary thing. Jesus said this, by my father, this is John chapter 15, verse eight, by my father, sorry, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. A lot of people are praying for finances, praying for their finances to be fixed, their financial system, to, um, their financial situation to be fixed. But God is saying, fix the root. They're praying for healing to be at work in their bodies. They're wondering why for years and years and years things are not manifesting. And God is saying, go, look at the root. Don't just stare at it, but rip it out. Rip out that root of unforgiveness. Rip out that root of offense. Rip out that word, of, that root of bitterness. The word cannot work in the soil of a bitter heart. And it cannot produce any fruit. And so as I, man, I just feel like the Lord just showed me so many things looking back over my life about opportunities to be offended and opportunities to be bitter. And those were all set up by the enemy, not just to tear me down and upset me and hurt me. Those were intended by the enemy to, to do something far worse, to keep me from producing fruit and fulfilling my ministry. This is why God tells us, guard the soil of your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Um. <laughs> bitterness, the lack of sweetness. I thought about this week, Jessie's birthday, my little girl, she just turned seven years old a couple weeks ago. And I've been wanting to make this cake. And it's called a chocolate cloud cake. And it's so yummy. Okay, so yummy. Yeah, some of my friends in here, they're like, it's, it was so good. Thank you. Thank you for that support. Well, um, when I was going to make this cake, I was looking for some chocolate. Well, it calls for that 
70% chocolate that is pretty bitter. It It's more like the pure form. I don't know if you guys have ever eaten a piece of 100% chocolate without the added sugar. This is no good. No good. I mean, I can pretend that I like it without the sugar, but no, the truth is it's better with something sweet added to it. It's better with the sugar. And so, you know, you come in there and you add a little bit of cane sugar and you add a little bit of milk to that bitter chocolate. You are, it is, mm, it's so, so good. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to tell you some things I've discovered in my life. This is very personal, but up until recently, I have been one of those people that didn't eat a lot of sugar. Okay. I thought sugar was bad, bad sugar equals bad. And so I didn't eat the sugar, but recently I started to read and find out that your body actually needs a little bit of sugar. Your liver needs sugar to be able to process things correctly. Now I don't mean the bad stuff like this man-made junk. Okay. artificial. I'm talking about these yummy fruits and this honey and and like a little bit of cane sugar ones, things that are real, that are, that are not just man-made. And you're all like, I'm going to have lots of letters. People are like, no, listen, this causes this, this causes this. And hey, I'm not going to be in fear over my food anymore, okay? No, okay. So I'm just telling you, I've learned recently. <laughs> um, I've just learned recently that, you know, but think about it. You know, when I was making this cake, it calls for all these yummy things. This cake was actually really healthy, okay? Um, some of you are like, yeah, I tasted it. It was really healthy. But it was really healthy, but it was really good. And basically, you add all this yummy stuff. You add this heavy whipping cream, you add, mm, yeah, I'm going to make all of you guys hungry. Uh, you add this, this bitter chocolate then, but to, to even out that bitter taste, you got to add a little bit of sweet. You got to add that sugar. And so I added like, I don't know how much, how, I don't know, like a, some, some cane sugar in there. And it was so yummy. Then I put like, I made homemade heavy whipping cream all, uh, oh it was really good all over the top. And then Jesse put um, chocolate candies all over the top. It was so yummy. And so, um, so we made this cake. But see, that sweetness canceled out the bitterness. And I just loved how the power that is in something sweet to take over and get rid of things that have been hurt, that have been bitter, that have come in to try to defile, that have come to steal and to kill and destroy. Man, it just takes one sweet moment in the presence of God to take over and to, to totally redeem a situation. And, you know, this is a, the power of a sweet word the power of sweetness. And, you know, sometimes you just got to let that sweetness come back in. I was thinking about my grandma again. I know I talk about her all the time, but she had a major influence in my life. She is 82 now, I think, 83. And she is just as sweet today as she was when I was a little girl. And I, I've seen her over the years. I've seen her pastor many years. I've seen her deal with many hard situations, many people that have come against her, many words that have been spoken against her, many extremely hard situations. I can't even tell some of the situations in here because it's inappropriate to say in front of children. Hard, hard situations that people have been through that she's been right in the middle of to help and minister to those people. But you know what? She never let it make her hard. She never let it make her her bitter and she somehow retained her sweetness after all these years. I know it can be done and it's a powerful thing, but I'm going to tell you there's a remedy for the root of bitterness and it is God's sweetness and it is pouring in and adding it back into your life and whatever has been bitter, made bitter in your life, God can turn that around. And I was thinking about scriptures in the Bible that talk about bitterness and people and stories in the Bible. See, you can't always control how people treat you and the unfair things that happen to you. But you can control your heart. You can guard your heart. You can be responsible for not letting it in. And then if it does get in, being responsible for your healing to go to the Lord, to receive what he has for you. And, um, and so I was thinking about different people in the Bible that became bitter. And, you know, remember that, 
bitterness and resentment come from being treated unfairly. Usually people don't deserve it. And, you know, in my life, um, I've had this happen many times. Many times. And, you know, you, you may say to me, Sarah, you don't know what I've been through. You have no idea what that person has done to me. You have no clue. You've never been some, through something so hard. And maybe I haven't been through your specific situation. But I have been through many unfair treatments in my life. Many, many Many. And I'm going to tell you, anyone that does anything great for God and has any success in life will have been, had the opportunity to overcome offense and to overcome bitterness. And I tell you, every time it makes you stronger and it makes you stronger, it takes you higher, God takes you up higher, and then you keep on overcoming. And you get to the point where people can do stab at you. They can treat you unfairly. They can do things to you. But the soil of your heart is so healthy that you are able to overcome evil with good. And, you know, this is what Romans chapter 12, 20 says. It gives us a remedy for the bitterness and a remedy for the evil. This is how you overcome. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you overcome bitterness? By sweetness. Giving, adding in a little sweetness. This is the spiritual solution now. A lot of people don't want to do it. But even in Luke 6, 28, it says, bless those who curse you. Pray, bless, pray, do good. Pray for those who mistreat you, abuse you, hurt you, or despitefully use you. Pray, bless, do good. This is God's way of responding to the root of bitterness. You know, I learned this a long time ago. I'm telling you, one of my favorite books, I think it's one of the most powerful books I've ever written, and I would encourage anybody to get it. And it's called The Bait of Satan. It's by John Bevere. And when I was, a um, long time before I married Jeremy, I was maybe in high school or college, you know, I dealt with a certain situation. I, if I went through and told you all the situations I dealt with that were, that were unfair, you would, you would not believe that I'd be able to do what I was able to do today. Because they were all shot at me and designed to tear me down and to keep me from producing fruit. But you know what? I recognize them. This is the first step in overcoming the root of bitterness is recognizing what's going on in the soil of your heart. I recognize when it was the enemy. I recognize when he was coming against me. This one particular situation when I was in high school, um, you know, I was a worship leader and I led worship for my college ministry, for our children's ministry. And I had a leader who was over me. And it just always seemed like he was out to get me for something. I mean, he was, he was just, he would try, it, it felt like, and I could be crazy, it always felt like he was trying to keep me, I'm not crazy, he was trying to keep me out of my place. And I knew what God had called me to do, but he was always like trying to keep me from doing it and trying to put somebody else there. And I knew that that was what God had called me to do. Other people had given me place and given me opportunity, but he was always, it was always just this, this thing trying to keep me out. Well, I realized soon enough that, uh, what was going on. And I realized this is not me working against flesh and blood. This is me contending for the ability to produce fruit in my life. And this is the enemy at work against me. And so I had to get my mind off a natural man who is trying to create these problems for me. And I had to get my mind over on, I'm going to fight this spiritually. I'm going to fight it with prayer. I'm not going to go in and try to make a way for myself. I don't have to try to make a position for myself. I trust God to do that. I don't have to make, you know, this is what Joshua chapter eight says. It talks about how if you'll meditate on this book of the law day and night and observe to do all that is written in it, you will make your way successful. 
You will prosper and have good success. You know what it says just a few verses above that? It says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What is he talking about? He's talking about no person will be able to hinder you if you don't let them. No person will be able to hinder you from doing all that you're called to do if you will keep your heart right, if you will watch over the soil of your heart, if you will garden and till and protect and sow and plant. This thing isn't between you and other people. This thing is only between you and God. You and God. Your heart and the condition of your heart is between you and and God. You not letting bitterness flourish and run rampant and grow weeds through your whole garden is your responsibility. It's between you and God. And so time went on and I, um, you know, I even moved away and I moved to um, Faith Life to go to um, what I call my Bible school, but to be under the moors. And I got there and, you know, I was spending a lot of time in the presence of God. And I always have this, this, uh, this, what do you call it? I, it, it is my, um, I'm constantly watching over the state of my heart and it is a full-time job, but I'm always going before the Lord. If, if there's something that springs up in me over and over, this is another way to recognize a root of bitterness. If you have thoughts that come to you and they're springing up, this is what, to me, this is what the scripture is talking about, to defile. They're springing up like a weed. They keep springing up to your thought life and they're over, they're reoccurring. They're like looping in your mind. They are playing, this is like, a, this is like an old tape playing over and over and over. This is how you recognize that something's going on in the heart. Thoughts are indicators of the heart over and over and over. And so I just recognized this thing kept coming up to me about this guy that was in leadership. And anytime I think of him or I'd see his picture, his face flashed across my mind, I'd get irritated and agitated. And I realized something's not right in my heart about this guy still. Even I'm not, I'm not even having anything to do with him anymore. I mean, I'm like, I moved away, started a new life, graduated from college, you know, but I'm like, why is this still springing up in me? Somehow I had let a root plant in the soil of my heart. And I had to realize this is not good for me. And so I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, what do I do about this? And he took me to these passages of scripture. Hey, if your enemy's hungry, what do you do? You feed him, you love him, you bless, and you overcome evil with good. Now, what's one of the biggest ways that you can bless somebody? I'm telling you, a remedy for the root is giving. If someone has done you wrong, this is what I did. I went before the Lord and the Lord said to me, Sarah, I want you to go and I want you to send him a hundred dollars. Well, back then that was like a lot of money to me. And I, and he said, I want you to send this guy a hundred dollars and I want you to call him and I want you to tell him how much you love him. And the Lord put it on your heart to give him a hundred dollars. And I thought, okay, well, I don't really want to do that. Um, he never treated me good. What, what, what does that have to do with anything? And so I just realized, you know what? I, at finally, it, was, it became really evident to me, this wasn't for his sake. This giving to him was for my sake. And there's something that happens in the heart of man and a heart of a woman that will be willing to give something that is yours into the life of someone who doesn't deserve it. Something happens in you. You overcome evil with good. You overcome with giving. You overcome with blessing and not cursing, but blessing. And so I sent this guy $100. I called him, loved on him. I told him, hey, I'm so happy for what God's doing in your life. I just begin to let the blessing of the Lord come out of my mouth, come out of my finances. And I just prayed for him. These, I did these things. These are spiritual things. And he just was so nice on the phone. Just thank you. That thought it was a little weird, but um, the, the, you know, that none of that mattered. My obedience is what mattered. And so I gave that to him and I'm telling you, I don't know how it happened, but something happened in the, the deepest parts of my heart. And every time I thought about that guy from here on out, there was no bitterness attached to that memory. No bitterness, that giving 
And that blessing and that praying took over the situation. What was that? That giving is an expression of your faith. It is saying, Father, I have more faith in you in what you can do for me than this guy and what he tried to stop me from doing. I have more faith in your ability to bring me into a good place and for you to prosper me. It doesn't matter what anybody does to me. You are my God and you will be faithful to me. This is giving is usually, almost always, an act of faith. More faith in God than you are in a, per, in, than you are in a person and what they can do to you. Oftentimes, bitterness, things that are going on in the heart that are connected to bitterness and resentment, they are connected to deeper emotions of fear and deeper emotions of, um, of anger. And these things will produce these, this fruit in your life if it's not ripped out from the root. And so I thought about all the people in the Bible that had opportunities to be bitter. If you really look at the stories of the Bible, you would not, I couldn't even tell you all of them today of all the people who encountered this. Let's start with Cain and Abel. Okay, he gets, Abel gets super, um, I'm sorry, is it Cain? Cain gets super irritated with Abel. He gets bitter at Abel. Why? Because Abel's offering blessed God more than his. And really, ultimately, he got bitter at his brother, and he got bitter at his God. At his God. And, you know, the, this is the problem with bitterness. If you let it go on long enough, you don't even realize that it has gotten over into the place where you are now bitter at God because you have, treated, you have been treated unfairly. This is dangerous. So with them, what happened? He got bitter at his brother, got bitter at his God. This bitterness eventually led to him killing his brother. How dangerous are these emotions? How dangerous is it when we let that root of bitterness take place? And um, then, you know, you go on, you look, oh man, it's crazy. All the people, um, Rachel, do you remember Rachel in the Bible? She, the Bible says she wept bitterly because she was unable to have a child. And what she didn't know is that bitterness had taken root in her heart because she was unable to have a child. She was looking at everyone around her thinking, it's, this is so unfair that I have not been able to get pregnant. Why have you been able to get pregnant and I haven't been able to get pregnant? Why is this happening for you and it's not happening for me? And eventually it gets to the point where she is bitter at herself because her body's unable to produce. She's bitter with people around her. She's bitter with God. And it says she weeps bitterly. But I want to tell you something so amazing about Rachel. Man, this is awesome. Here's what's beautiful. God is always interested in you being restored. He's always interested in you coming out of whatever is of this bitterness He's always interested in you recovering all that you've lost. See, all these people in the scripture that have dealt with bitterness, it was all usually over one thing, the loss of something or the loss of someone. That loss caused their bitterness. You think about this, uh, Cain and Abel. Cain was bitter because he had lost his position or his place in the eyes of God. And instead of changing his heart and getting sweet again, adding the sweetness back in, he got bitter with God. He got bitter with his brother. Rachel, she's bitter with herself. She's bitter with God because she can't have this. It's the loss of not being able. It's that loss of not having the children. And that, that made her bitter. Uh, King Saul was bitter at David. Why was he bitter at David? He was jealous of David. He was jealous because of all of David's success, and that produced bitterness in his heart. Think about how powerful these things are if you let them work in you. Um, he, you know, Saul's was he had a loss of pride. He lost all his pride. He lost all his. He, he was bitter at David for these things. Job's wife, this is a very dangerous one. This is probably one of the most serious cases I've seen. When she lost her children, and, and she lost her success and her money. What did she do? She became bitter and she said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? That's all from bitterness, a root of bitterness. 
Then you've got Naomi, who I think is this, this one just rocked my world when I was praying about this. She lost her husband. She lost her sons. And see, here's the amazing thing about, about Naomi. God brought her into a place. His plan for her was always good, but she couldn't even see the kindness or the goodness of God or the sweetness anymore because she had become so bitter. She actually said about God, she said, she told her daughters, she said, call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. But think about what happened with Naomi. She still went on to follow God and she went on into her promised land. And what happened after that? When she got there, she pressed in and became the grandmother of Ruth and Boaz's son, who became the grandfather of Jesus in the lineage. I'm sorry, the grandfather of David, and then the lineage of Jesus followed. God was always in the restoration business. What else was he involved? He wanted her, them, all these people to recover all. I think about, I didn't read you this about Rachel. But what happened to Rachel was she couldn't have a baby. And God said this to her. He said, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. He's heard her bitter weeping. It's coming up before him. Lord, why have you been unfair to me? Why? Why have you done this to me? Rachel was weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they were no more. But thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping. Stop weeping. Refrain your eyes from tears. For your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. And God was saying to her, there is restoration on the way. Believe, lift up your eyes, believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And this is how you overcome evil with good. This is how you uproot those roots of bitterness. You bless and you pray and you give. And what else do you do in the meantime? You keep on believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of my other favorite passages is David. And you know, David escapes the trap of offense and bitterness. He escapes this so many times in scripture, but particularly in this one, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna read this passage to you if you wanna turn to it. This is so powerful. Um, 1 Samuel 30 verse one. Now, when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziglag, and they had overcome Ziglag and burned it with fire. They took captive the woman, the, I'm sorry, the women and all who were in it, both small and great. Basically, all the women in the whole camp, all the children were taken away from them to another land where they should not be took them away from him. They had been taken captive and David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. And then um, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and his daughters. Bitter because they were missing their family. Bitter over one thing, loss. And it says this, but David had a different response. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And if you go on to read this amazing scripture, he stayed in faith. He did. He went after God. You know, God even told him this. David sought the Lord. He said, Lord, what do I do in this situation of loss? What do I do when my heart feels this bitter? What do I do when everyone around me is bitter? And the Lord spoke to him and he said, pursue for you shall surely overtake and you shall surely rescue. 
And then if you go on to read down in verse 18 and 19, it says, So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, or everything that was lost. David recovered it all. David rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil, or anything which had been taken from them. David recovered all. And this is a way to overcome bitterness, to overcome being treated unfairly. Lord, I believe no matter if I can see it or feel it or understand it, nothing with my natural mind can comprehend it. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. I believe that you are going to take my life and do something with it. I believe that everything that's been lost from me will be restored. I believe somehow, some way, you are going to help me recover all. Thank you, Lord. And I believe there's a lot of you watching online a lot of people, there's people, all over, every single person that has ever walked with God knows what it feels like to be treated unfairly. And this is your word for today. God is going to help you recover all. Whether that's stuff, whether that's lost money, whether that's lost friends, whether that's lost uh, that's failure in uh, uh, business, whatever that is, whether that's lost family members, God is going to help you recover all. God is a God of restoration. It doesn't matter if you've messed up your whole life. It doesn't matter what you've done. He, his mercy is so rich and so sweet that it endures forever. And ever, 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 and ever. You can't mess up his mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How do you recognize a bitter root? First of all, the words of your mouth. Whatever's going, coming off the lips is proof of what's working in the heart. The lips and the words are fruit and proof of what's going on in the soil of the heart. The roots down deep. What are you talking about all the time? Who, what is your manner of conversation? How, where are your words going? You can recognize what's going on in the heart if it's healed, if it's healthy by what's going on in the lips. Another, another big one, an indicator, is, is there bitterness in the company that you run with? Are there people around you always talking negative, always bitter? Because sure enough, if there is, it's probably in you too. You want to run with those who are sweet. <laughs> you want to run with those who overcome evil with good. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs eighteen nineteen says this, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like a bars of a castle. Bitterness and offense, it's a prison. You put yourself in a prison. And you do this just like the walls of the castle. You build walls all around yourself to where no one can get in. Not even the love of God if you let it. But you want to live where you lay down walls. Where you, the love of God can reach you to the farthest point. He can reach down in the deepest places, hidden places of your heart. And restore you. Um. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind. Here's the answer. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted, and here's a big one, forgiving. 
even as Christ forgave you. Forgiving, even as God has forgiven you. You know, I was dealing with a situation once and someone um, had been through a lot and done, a, you know, gone through a hard situation. And I was crying out to the Lord. And uh, he said to me, how can you not be merciful to them when I have been so merciful to you? How could you? When I have been so merciful to you, well, it changed everything for me. I stopped thinking about what everybody's done wrong to me, and I start thinking about what everything Jesus has done right for me. It says this in um, the Passion Translation. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. As God has graciously forgiven you, when you get a revelation of how much Jesus has forgiven you, then you can truly forgive and lay down and rip out bitterness. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. It takes being rooted and grounded in the love of God to be able to rip out all those roots of bitterness. I love this one. Um, in the Aramaic Bible, it says, Be sweet one toward another and affectionate, and be forgiving one another, just as God the Messiah has forgiven you. And I have one more passage. You know, let me read you two scriptures here. James chapter 3, verse 8. It talks about the words and how powerful the words are to watch the words of the mouth. And it talks about this. It says, the tongue, no one can tame it. It's not saying you don't have the ability to do it. It's saying this is how powerful the tongue and the words are. It is unruly and it's full of deadly poison. Bitterness is poison. And over time, it's poison to the body. It's poison to even the relationships you want to be good. It's poison in all areas. And it defiles, it springs up, and it causes trouble. But this is what, this is what it says in James chapter 3. It says... Um, the, the tongue has the ability to be full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men. How are we doing these same things at the same time? Two different things that are in complete opposition to each other. This is true hypocrisy at its finest. When your mouth doesn't line up with your heart, whatever's going on in your heart doesn't line up with what's coming out of your mouth. This is hypocrisy. If you ever notice yourself saying thing, something coming out of your mouth and it feels wrong while you're saying it in your heart, usually it's because your heart's trying to tell you, you don't really believe that. You don't really agree with it. I did it this last week. I said something one day to Jeremy. I said, I don't know what to do about that situation. And my heart told me, you're lying. The Bible says that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. So my heart was in conflict with what was coming out of my mouth. That was me being a hypocrite because I was saying something other than what I believe to be true in the depths of my heart. No, my heart knows. I do. I know the voice of God. And the voice of the stranger, I don't follow. So what I did is I just changed my words. I said, Father, forgive me. That was the wrong thing coming out of my mouth. That's me being a hypocrite. And that's not me. And I'm going to now change my words to line up with my heart. No, I do have an unction from the Holy One. And I do know all things. And I have ears that hear. Blessed are my ears. And you know what else? My God shows me. I have a good shepherd who speaks to me. And I follow him. That is getting your mouth in line with your heart. And so it says this. It says in James chapter 3. Out of, it, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And I say this all the time. The Lord spoke to me once and he said, If you'll spend all your time blessing, you'll have no time for cursing. And then it says this, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear 
olives or produce fruit. And it says this, or a grapevine bear figs, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. It can't happen out of the same place. This is why we have to rip it up, rip up all those roots of bitterness, get them out of our life, go back and find out what it is. Just present it before the Lord, get your heart right, make it right and start blessing those people, doing good to them, praying for them, loving them, forgiving them. It has to be, it is a diligent work. And I love this because it says um, it can't, it can't, it can't come out of the same place, fresh and Salty, or that's bitter or sweet, cannot come out of the same place. And so, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Exodus chapter 15, this is in verse 22. And this is the last scripture. The good thing is, the good news is that we can produce fruit. We can glorify God with our life. We can do all we're called to do. We can overcome evil. We have the ability. The problem with the bitter fruit, remember, is not the ability to be ministered to. It's the ability to produce fruit. And that's what we're after. We don't want the enemy stopping us for a moment from doing all that God has called us to do. Verse 22 says this, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Do you remember this story? They had, God had just parted the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. And then the, the, just in the nick of time, the water went back, poured back over on the bad guys. And they just made it out. And they were delivered. And they came out. This is a major miracle. Is that awesome or what? God delivered them. And then they come, and this is just a, just a little while later, not very much longer. They come into, out of the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. And then when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. And therefore, they called the name of it Marah. And the people complained. I mean, they've just been blessed. They've just been taken care of. God is doing amazing things in their life, and they start complaining. Because the water is bitter. And then they say, it says this, they complained against him saying, what shall we drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, Moses did, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them and he tested them and he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God... And do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments. Keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And I love how God, no matter how bitter the water was, he had a solution. He had an answer. He had a plan of redemption. He had a plan for them to have good water and for them to recover all. That was his plan. And he put it in the plan. And isn't it awesome that the, that the sweet didn't just come in and take away a little of the bitter or even out the bitter. The sweet overtook the bitter and it canceled out the bitter. And the bitter was no more. And this is the future that we're heading toward. No more bitter. No more things in our lives being defiled. But the sweetness of God, the, the healing love of God, able to come in to keep us and to take care of us and to restore and to help us recover all that's been lost. So I just want to pray for you. Why don't you just go ahead and stand up today? I want to pray for you that you would just experience right now the healing love of God and that you would just begin to be overtaken by His goodness and His love. Anything evil, anything unfair, anything that's caused problems, His goodness is able to come in. It's so sweet. 
It's so good. It's so wonderful. It is able to just come in and overtake and cancel out all that bitterness. So Father, today we just come before your throne. We lay our hearts before you. We are your garden. And this heart is our garden. And we purpose in our heart to be the gardeners and to, to watch over the soil on the inside like, like nothing. Nothing else is as important. And we just purpose in our heart. We commit to you. Lord, if anything comes against us, we know how to overcome. We have your goodness at work in our lives that makes us and enables us to be good, to bless, to pray, to overcome all evil with good. And so Father, if there's anyone watching today and they have, I'm not even pretending to know all the situations of unfairness and mistreatment and things that have gone wrong, things that were not your perfect will. Father, I'm just asking you to pour in that oil, that wine, that love, that sweet sweetness. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just just open your arms wide open, just a, a surrender of this, this heart, this garden being open to him just to take in healing. We uproot bitterness by faith in Jesus' name. We uproot offense. We just tear down walls that have tried to surround us and try to, to make us small and keep us from living. We refuse to live in a prison in our soul. But our souls are like a well-watered garden and we will prosper and we will keep on producing fruit day and night and we will glorify our God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for bringing us into a healthy place. Thank you, Jesus, for being the shepherd of over our souls. And if something is trying to spring up, something's trying to defile us, Help us recognize it. Help us be quick to repent. Help us be quick to see it. Help us be quick to forgive. Help us to be quick to bless and to pray for those who have come against us. It doesn't matter if everyone around us is bitter. The soil of our heart can be sweet. And we thank you for helping us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. We just receive healing. You said... When you stood up before the people that you came to heal the brokenhearted. And we receive healing for hearts everywhere, every even if it seems like a little deal. Healing, if it's a big deal, healing in Jesus' name. Life and peace and health and tranquility and blessing. We speak it over our church family today. Just receive it. Just take it. I would take it, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I, say this if you have to. I forgive those that have hurt me. I forgive them. I release them to you. I just release them to you to do, do with them what you need to do. Speak to them. Cause them to see. Cause them to understand. And by your help, Father, and by your grace, I believe that everybody in this place, we will recover all. Thank you. We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. That's a good word this morning. We needed that. That was from the Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, the, uh, I saw something in God I'd never seen in Him until I met Sarah. And that was His sweet side. And uh, when you grow up in an atmosphere and in a household of faith, it, it's a good thing. You tend, there's, there's an aggressiveness. There's a, a fierceness about your walk of faith. And, and there is certainly a place for that. Uh, but we can't forget that what he is and who he is at his core is love. And there's a sweetness about him and a tenderness about him. And... I saw that more clearly than I ever had before when I met her. And that so introduced that 
fellowship into my life, my, my fellowship with the Lord. I saw his sweet side. You need a sweet side. Yeah. I need a sweet side. Yeah. And that's the side that needs to be coming out all the time, all the time, all the time. And we're talking about how to keep our homes undivided. And, uh, and nothing will bring division into a home like bitterness. But if, if bitterness divides us, our sweetness keeps us together. So thank you, sweetheart. That was a wonderful, excellent word today. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Online family, we love you so much. Thank you for tuning in to be a part of this today. Uh, we'll be contacting uh, early next week the next group of volunteers and service teams that are going to be in service with us. So make sure when you get that call that you come. <laughs> make sure that you see that and treat that as an honor and a, and a privilege because these times that we're living in, it's, we don't need to take for granted coming to church. This is special. This is a privilege. So if you get that call and your team is being invited, get here. Be a part of it. So we love this team. We love every person who's a part of this church. Thank God. Father, we receive this word today as a word from you. We ask you to cause it to take root in us, spring up and produce good fruit in Jesus name. Amen. 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 We love you guys. You're dismissed. Online family, we love you. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.